You're listening to MHD Off the Record South LA Highlights, where I, Siobhan Taylor, speak with local organizations, small businesses, and individuals doing amazing work in South LA. Here, we uplift and highlight their work while keeping you informed of the resources available in our community. On this episode, we speak with Jacob Adams, founder and executive director of STEM to the Future, a nonprofit organization that uses science, technology, engineering, arts, and math to support youth as they develop solutions to real-world problems as climate change, public safety, and poverty. Their mission is to inspire and motivate elementary and middle school Black and Latinx youth to use their passions to create the world they want and deserve. Prior to founding STEM to the Future, Jacob was a Teach for America teacher in New York City, where he was an elementary educator in Brooklyn and Harlem. Jacob has 10 plus years of experience in education and is using that experience to help students actualize their true potential as they use their gifts to uplift the community. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Jacob Adams. Hey, nice to meet you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So let's talk about STEM to the Future. You're the founder. Yeah, yeah. So what inspired you to become the founder of STEM to the Future? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I've always had like a, a certain relationship with school where I didn't, like I was a good student. So in fourth grade, uh, I got this award. I was the only kid in the school who got this award. It was like AB honor roll with the exception of conduct. So I was like, even since then, I was doing the things I had to do. And then after that, I just kind of like would do my own thing. Um, and I would even push back like while I was doing my work because school always felt like a place that uh, like lacked purpose. I didn't really know how we were going to use this stuff we were learning. I just know if I didn't do it, I was going to get in trouble when I got home. So just memorized the things, did what the teacher told me to do. And you grew up in New York? Oh, uh, I grew up in Georgia. In you in Georgia? Yeah, I grew up in okay. Augusta. Um, so yeah, so that was happening out there. And then I ended up uh, getting a Teach for America and did that in New York. And so uh, I got placed at this school in like Brownsville, Brooklyn. It's like a school I was at, pretty much all black students, uh, pretty much everybody on free reduced lunch. But the school had some of the highest test scores in like New York State. So because it's like that population and the test scores are so high, like the school got so much attention. It's like any day there could be like 30, 50 people at the school watching our kids eat breakfast or like coming in the classroom to teach, to like watch us teach reading or whatever. But the way the school was set up was like very, very like rigid and honestly just like pretty racist. Like, the way the kids had to sit, like, they had to fold their hands. Like, the people can't see, but their hands had to be together. And if their hands were apart, like, you weren't supposed to teach. Um, they're supposed to, like, look straight ahead when they're walking in line. Like, there's... Came, like, so, very inside. rigid, very militarized. Yeah. Was that how you experienced school? Or is this uh, a new experience for you, even as an educator? Oh, it was really new. Because um, I had no... So, I, like, because of my relationship with school, I had no intention to be a teacher. Um, you sound like you weren't really a fan of school. You just no. did what you had to do. Yeah, exactly. So when I so I really wasn't studying education in college. So then when I got to this school, I was just like, oh, this is how they teach now. Like, this is interesting. So then when in, in there, like, I started to do my own thing. I would, like, close the door. Like, we would talk. I was, like, doing my own, um, like, black history lessons, like, all throughout the year. Uh, would have the kids, like, pretty much sit how they wanted to sit. And we just like let them know, like, yo, if the principal come in, assistant principal come in, any of these people come in, like, y'all sit up straight, put your hands together, all of that. We'll like do our little song and dance. And then when they leave, we just like go back to talking about what we were talking about. So I feel like we kind of skipped ahead, though. So how do you go from not really being a fan of school, mm. just doing what you have to do, to becoming a teacher? Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, because I, w- I want to get into that. We d- 
the reason I want to get into that is because you didn't just become a teacher. You went on to transform education. So I want to know how do we get from not really a fan of this, doing what I got to do. I got some kind of interests clearly to, okay, I'm going to try to become an educator. And as an educator, you went on to kind of revamp how you teach. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I have always liked kids. So my first job was a gymnastics coach. Uh, so I was like coaching kids when I was like 15. Um, and then I was in a civil rights class, actually, in college. And the professor, I had like a lot of respect for him. Um, and he was just talking about a lot of things he was doing. And then there was someone in the in the program, uh, or in the class, who was uh, who had gotten into Teach for America. And like Teach for America has its own like issues or whatever. Um, but he was saying, the professor was saying how that's just like a, a, a program that he like respected at the time and how it's a really good opportunity for people to... Um, basically kind of like learn more about how the world works. Like if you spend time in a, a public school, especially a public school in an um, under-resourced community, like you can really start to understand um, why the world looks the way it does. So I was like, all right, cool. I've like kids. I'll teach. Uh, I was like, try to do that. I want to go to law school, but like this will give me some time to just like keep studying, honestly, and like kind of work on some things I'm passionate about. In terms what, of like, were your what were you majoring in at the time? Uh, political science. So I wish I could do that again, but I was majoring in political science. Okay. Um, so then I did that. I was actually supposed to teach in Atlanta, but there's this like big cheating scandal with like the public school system, so I couldn't teach in Atlanta. So I worked at a law firm, and while I was there, I quickly realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. So then once that was over, I was able to go back to TFA, uh, and then I went to Teach for America in New York. So then I got placed at this school that's like super rigid, but it's like it's super influential. Like I left that school after my Teach for America commitment, went to another school in Harlem. And during like the training, I'm watching the videos from like where I just came from. So I'm seeing the people across the hall. I'm seeing like all the people I used to work with. We're watching their their videos to learn how to teach. So I mean, before I got there, I had this realization. But I'm like, if this way of teaching is um, being like held up as a model for like black kids, brown kids, poor kids, then like we're in trouble because it's not <laughs> teaching us how to like think outside the box. Like we're just gonna keep doing what we're told like the except quote unquote exceptional kids are gonna like you know go on and probably do some good things but like that's not really good for the community like holistically and even though they might like get a job where they make you know good money do they are they really doing something they want to do like do they really know who they are do they know uh, how they can use what they're learning to like impact the people closest to them i think what you're saying is really important for many reasons and one of those things is because there and there are multiple studies that back up what you're saying, which is that for a lot of black and brown young people, especially black and brown people who are from low income communities and or come from working class families or impoverished families, our education is so different in that one thing we're all taught is how to follow orders. Mm -hmm. And that's the basis of our education. How do you follow orders? How do you follow instructions? How well do you follow instructions? And then you're rewarded for following those instructions. Thinking outside of the box, critical thinking, we, which is funny because there's a curriculum. It says critical thinking skills. You're not actually learning critical thinking right. skills. You're learning how to regurgitate information that the teacher is going to reward later, right? And there are multiple studies that show that this actually translates into the type of jobs that we get, mm. which is jobs where we usually follow orders. You're not executive thinkers. Right, <laughs> You're right. not making decisions. You're following the protocol. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I think that does limit our abilities to be able to, because even if we do get jobs, like you said, that are maybe well-paying, 
they're still limiting our abilities, in my opinion. Yeah, no, same. A lot of those jobs tend to be jobs. We're not in a position to be creative. We're not in a position to make the high-level decisions for our own communities. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is really important for those reasons. Yeah, exactly. Like someone just gives you a plan and you go do whatever the plan says without even like taking time to think like, how does this plan impact the people that it's, you know, how does this uh, affect the people that it's the plan supposed to impact um, or like other other things but yeah like they well we've been trained we've right, been conditioned right, right? If, if if you think of education as a system that's meant to sort of aid the the nation right mm-hmm. a lot of these systems are not necessarily meant to aid specific peoples right at least not our peoples right? Right, right right it's not about advancing your community it's about advancing their wealth yeah. and by they you guys should know who i mean exactly um <laughs> without me being too specific but how do we shift that? And that sounds like that was the question you were already asking yourself when you were in Teach for America. Yeah, exactly. Um, so And so being at that school, like, I learned a lot of things. A lot I don't care with me. But I, I do feel like I really learned how to teach. To a, I mean, I learned how to teach some ways I left and other things I kept. Um, but one of the biggest things I think that I learned was, like, what a six-year-old was, like, capable of. Or, like, how smart. Because I taught first grade. So I was like, oh, you're six, like you can, y'all can like have these types of conversations. Like y'all can think, uh, even within the boxes that we had them thinking in, like even that was really impressive. Cause first of all, a six year old is going to say, I don't care about your box. Right, right, right. I got a whole nother thing I'm thinking about. Not even your box can keep me contained. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so especially the times where I would like just be doing what I wanted to do and having like conversations, um, that were like far outside of the curriculum we were given. I was like, Oh wow. Like, Y'all have the, so that just kind of really made me, uh, gave me a different realization of what kids that age could do. And so I was like, all right, well, if I see what they're capable of, let's not use it in service of they that you spoke of. Like, how can we use these skills and like use this potential to benefit them and like benefit the community? So that was like um, the seed that was planted in my head through being there. Then I came out here, it was training teachers like throughout the county. And I was seeing, it wasn't like, the, the school I was at in New York, but that was the first time I was going to multiple places. So when you came here, was that still through Teach for America? Uh, I was out of Teach for America, but then I worked for Teach for America at that point. Okay. Um, so I was like a, a teacher of the Teach for America at that point, at least got like a coach through Teach for America. So I was them. I was not they. But <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the, the they that right, we were talking right. about earlier, but you were a coach. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so I would go to the schools, I like helped them. And so now I'm like seeing what's going on uh, on a much like bigger scale and i'm like well dang even these teachers who are like quote unquote good teachers these kids aren't like really doing anything that they're gonna use later like then they're not really learning things that they're not learning in a way that helps them like figure out who they are what they're passionate about uh you know who's in the community like what does the community need and it's like well if we're gonna be at school for eight hours a day and that's like where they're spending you know a lot of their time their awakening hours at least during the week probably should be starting to figure some of that like we should use this space as a place to like figure out who you are um right. you know figure out what you're interested in i can use this stuff to help people i love that what i also find to be interesting is that you came to la and started your program in la versus going back to new york or back mm. to georgia oh yeah for sure uh so and then at that time too i was um when i had the idea i was in this uh then i got this fellowship through this organization called um, 4.0 schools i do like them a lot um so someone's like an education entrepreneur i would say check them out and they really helped me like make sure i was developing the organization in a way that's like informed by what 
the community wants. So I, I had a broad idea just from my time in education. But then before I like did anything, I like interviewed a bunch of principals. I like talked to a bunch of different groups of kids. And then I started doing, um, and after I did that, I ended up doing like a small, like a pilot basically with uh, kindergartens and first graders in Inglewood. So we'd meet like twice a week for a couple of hours a day. First 15 minutes would be like teamwork. Uh, and then they do like 45 minutes of coding at that point. And then we would do um, like design thinking for the last hour. And then so th through that, I'm like really seeing how the programs, and I'm like was doing all of that, like all the teaching and everything. So I was like seeing how the curriculum at that point was kind of functioning and like really being able to talk to the kids, like learn what parts of the that pilot they liked, like what parts they didn't like. Um, and just that kind of way of thinking of like making sure every decision we make is how can we have the community, especially not being from here, how can um, I make sure the community is like influencing what we're doing to uh, you know, as much as possible? What was the reason that you went into creating a STEM program mm -hmm. when your background is poli sci? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I've always like been interested in technology and, um, and art. So we actually do a lot of might have to change the name at some point or make the STEM lowercase because we actually do uh, STEAM. And so. Right. I'm gonna, that's oh, that's okay. coming up next. Okay, so but we'll I was curious on why STEM versus a poli sci program or something that that was more along those lines, because poli sci is also important. Right. For sure. Uh, so if you came into a class like it could look like all those things, to be honest with you. Um, but the focus on STEM was because I feel like there's just uh, was the way the world is um, pretty much built in terms of like from technology to infrastructure. Uh, it's like technology, engineering are everywhere. And then science, science and math, all, all these things are so interconnected. And uh, then also I start to think about like a lot of different kind of like big issues that are going on from like climate change, uh, infrastructure issues, clean water, water, like even access to water period. Uh, like all that stuff requires some type of like STEM solution. And those things like disproportionately impact black and brown people. So if kids aren't at least being ex exposed to those, uh, you know, things within STEAM, or we'll do STEM for now, aren't exposed um, to like these different like, aspects within STEM at a young age, you know, we're already going to be, we're already behind the curve. And so I think we're doing ourselves an even bigger disservice because now we're just really setting ourselves up to like what you were saying earlier, even for the kids that do make it through, they're not the ones coming up with the STEM-based solutions to address these problems. It's somebody else who's giving them the plan to go do it. When they're from the community, they're a part of the community, like they know it better than anybody else. Therefore, I feel like we should be the ones, you know, solving our own problems. I feel that. And you already talked about it a little bit, but let's go ahead and get into it because it sounds like you're really itching to really get to that point, which is you guys aren't just STEM, you're STEAM. You're STEAM to the future, which I actually think sounds better. It does sound nice. Because <laughs> maybe think of STEAM, think of STEAM engines, right? Right. But you add the A. And I had to actually look up what STEAM was mm. when I was getting ready for your interview. Because I said, I've seen this STEAM thing around. I always heard STEM growing up. Um, in fact, I think they called it something else when I was growing up, before it was called STEM. But um, maybe it was called STEM. I wasn't good at science I wasn't or math. Hip. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> but um, STEAM, I had looked up. I said, what is the A? I know what science, technology, is it science, tech, engineering, and math? Mm -hmm. I, I understood that. But I said, where does this A come from? Is it architecture? Is it agriculture? And somebody said, yes, it's both. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked it up, and it's arts which can include agriculture, can right. include architecture. So why is that A also important? And why is that now added to this conversation around STEM? For sure. So 
one even like what kind of what I was saying about um, making sure the kids are informing, like the community is informing what we're doing. Uh, a lot of the kids were really interested in like the more like design aspects of things we would do. Uh, so like whether it be was like three design or some of the coding stuff, like they would like to even within coding, they would like to be drawing their own people, like their own characters that they would code or like they would really like the illustration piece of it. Um, and then with the 3D design, they'd really like being able to like build the models less so like the tech behind it. Um, so examples like that, I was like, all right, well, kids want to do the art. Like, let's make sure they're doing art. Um, and then also, too, I feel like art is is a, a way to like to do a lot of things, but like tell a story. Um, you could be from like people like Nita Simone, uh, Fela Kuti, Bob Marley, Octavia Butler, like all these folks. Uh like they're artists and they use their art for like the greater good of the community. Um, and so that too, like if STEM, like, you know, STEM is a tool that can be used to like uplift the community. Like art is certainly one um, that could do the same. And like art is integrated within all those things. Like there's art in science, there's art in tech, engineering, math. Uh, so I think to exclude it, it's to also like put up a barrier for a lot of people who otherwise like could be interested um, in those things. And even if they don't want to be a scientist, like, Someone has to develop the ad to like help folks get vaccinated or like help folks be able to get to the clinic or whatever they need. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, you know, so I think even uh, thinking of from a design aspect, like we need folk, uh, to be able to design things that can get our community engaged with this stuff. I love that because one of the other questions I had, because when you answered it, which was why it's important for both youth development and developing solutions. And I feel like you're, you answered that. And I think it's also important that young people, especially our young people, understand that their creativity isn't a detriment. I mm-hmm. think even in our own communities, sometimes we've heard it many times that that art stuff will get you nowhere, that music mm-hmm. stuff will get you nowhere, not realizing that that is also science and math. Right. right? Uh, we had another guest, uh, Lily Floor, who's an artist, a painter, a muralist. She was one of our guests and she's worked in many of our uh, programs in District 8 uh, working with young people doing art education. She's you know, she's a wonderful painter from South LA. And she pointed out also that, you know, to be a muralist, to be a painter, you have to know math, you have to know geometry, you have to know chemistry, right? right? But we don't tell our young people that they're doing math. Mm -hmm. We don't tell our young people that even as athletes, right? Right, right, right. That they're doing physics. They're not just studying physics. They're physically feeling physics. Right. But we don't tell them that they're mathematicians. Mm -hmm. In fact, we almost demonize it. Right. Right. And we assume that it's that, they're not capable of understanding that's what they're doing, or we just don't know ourselves to be honest with you. So I think that's an important aspect when we talk about youth development and them understanding who they are, the fact that they are very talented, that they are mathematicians, they are capable. Because I think we discount ourselves. I was told my whole life I wasn't good at math. Right. Maybe I'm better at it than I thought. Right, right, right. I'm better now having taught first graders math. Uh, <laughs> right. Isn't, I believe that's true because I definitely learned some math when I used to work in schools. I still struggle with fifth grade, but we, we, <laughs> exactly. we well, I'll get up there. We I'll get up strengths. there. And the, can I add one thing to the art? Absolutely. Because um, in what you were saying also made me uh, think like it also shows kids that like, they can make things like they can. They are they're creative and they're like creators. Um, so maybe they want to create things within art or like maybe they have other aspects within their life. Where they want to create things. But I think uh, art is like an easy way to see that, like, if I have something in my mind, I can like, these ideas don't have to just exist in my mind. Like, I can actually make them into something in the real world. I love that. Absolutely. And and it's funny because I think as a kid, you're so imaginative Mm -hmm. and you don't always know how to get that translated into reality. And what you've what you've done and what you're doing 
is showing them like, no, this is how we can make it a reality. And I think that's beautiful. And being able to not only make it a reality, but make it a solution for your community. Right. So what are some of the programs that you guys have available in STEM to the future? Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, in schools, we have programs called Playing the Seed. And within those, we uh, like partner with schools or youth development programs. What are uh, some of the schools you're at? We work with um, uh, ICEF Innovation, um, like ICEF Vista. So ICEF Innovation was our first, well, ICEF Inglewood actually was where I did the pilot. And then ICEF Innovation was our partner after that. Uh, Sixth Ave Elementary. Um, a good bit of like um, Camino Nuevo schools, uh, Creed Academy. They have like two schools that we work with uh, out this way. Well, so well, some of the programs you have in them are? Oh, oh yeah. So within those, um, we teach, uh, basically we like teach our STEAM and like social justice curriculum. Um, Love it. With kids. And, social justice and STEAM. That's what I'm talking right. about. We're actually pivoting, which I'll talk about after this next program. Um, but within that, like kids will learn like a different social justice topic along with like a STEAM. So like a whole art and activism unit, actually, where they're doing like different um, exposed, like different art, uh, art mediums and they end up ending it by making a podcast, uh, actually. And so, yeah, we'll do stuff like that. Uh, and then we have another set of programs that exist um, outside of schools. One is um, a robotics program uh, for girls, non-binary youth. Another is a um, creative design program. And then one is a uh, environmental justice program. So those are all um, student led programs. And so uh, what we've done this, they're all, they've been student led, but this year uh, we've added an extra day. So now they're two days a week for two hours. The first day we teach uh, and we focus on like youth participatory action research, like helping the kids do research in the community and then also do like things to help them with like critical consciousness. It's like, how do you define community? You know, how do you define love? Like what's freedom mean? These words that we kind of throw around, but if you ask a random person what love mean, probably couldn't tell you. Um, and then the second day, we pair them with these folks we call like STEAM residents. So people from the community who hold like expertise within STEAM uh, will basically send a proposal for what they want to teach. And then we present it to the kids in the program. And then the kids will pick uh, who they want their teachers to be. So then like the one group had a photographer for 15 weeks. Now they're working with like a grassroots org. The environmental justice program had like three different environmentalists. And the engineering program or coding program, they have an engineer. Uh, who teaches them. And then we work with the resident to make sure that what they're doing is aligned to what the kids are, like the research and stuff the kids are are doing. And so then they'll end up doing like uh, community events throughout the year. So like they had a clean air day event in the fall. If you come to these, like we're there obviously, but the kids are doing the stuff. Like you go to a table, it's not an adult telling you the, you know, they're not, adult isn't leading anything. We just set up, we are around to help, but like the kids are running the show. Wait, just hold on really quickly. I believe I heard you say that the students pick the teacher. Yeah, exactly. So you are you say your program is also student led. Mm -hmm. It sounds like with students, that's part. That's an example of that. Yeah, for sure. So can you give us a little bit more explanation on what that means to be student led and why that was important for you yeah. when creating your program? Yeah. Um, so also like learning from the from the kids. Like we so actually the student led stuff started during. Um, COVID actually, because at that point, like during the stay at home orders, we were from like teachers we were training and from uh, kids we were working with, they were just telling us how they feel like, like disconnected and like hopeless was a good way to describe it. And so we were thinking like, what can we do to help them like feel like they got some, we'll see they actually have some agency and we don't just have to let all this, because that was COVID. It was uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, just like the um, 
Dijon Kazee and the other folks out here, like all that stuff was going on at the same time. And so we're like, all right, how can we help y'all like see that the world doesn't have to be this way and like you can play a part in changing it. And we wanted them to feel like connected uh, to their peers and like to the community despite like having to be inside. So that's where, and uh, so that's where like the student led aspect of the programs really started back in like 2020 because we were like, uh, interesting based off different things we've read or you know, if I've read that kind of informed my philosophy. It's like if the kids, have more control over what they do uh, like you kind of got them hooked like they want to do that they want they're doing what they want to do um so you don't have to like get them to like fake have fun or try to get them to like make them show up um because they more for the most part like want to be there because these are things they're they're uh interested in so then we did that all online uh at that point and that year the girls ended up um robotics program used their robots to uh deliver ppe to um some elders that stay i think at Glor- gloria homes oh yeah, uh, yeah stay at gloria homes um and then the environmental justice program they learned a lot of different things and so then they decided that they wanted to start an urban farm so then the next year when we were in person then they started doing the urban farm wow i love that i love that because it's empowering Mm-hmm. Anything that can empower youth to feel and know that they can be a part of making changes is important. I know that made a difference in my own life growing up as a young person because it can feel it can feel hopeless, especially when you're young. You're going through so many changes in your own personal life, mm-hmm. in your home, and with COVID happening, I'm sure things happened to them personally. Um, you know, your whole education system shifted on you. Your household probably shifted mm-hmm. on you. Because um, your parents probably aren't working if, if in the same way that they were working before, if they're even leaving their house, right? And so you can feel super hopeless. And you offer them an opportunity to make changes, to make shifts, to impact their local community, and also showing them how they can impact the future. Right. So that's that, to me, is so powerful in and of itself, especially when you add into the fact that they're also getting an education in how they can then transform what takes place in their communities in the bigger picture. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like you just see them change in so many ways through over the course of the year. Cause like you're saying, I I think for most of them, unfortunately, it's the first time they were like, oh, I got power. Like I can do something. Um, so yeah. So then with the uh, help from CD8, we're taking that approach, the student led uh, aspect and like working with people who hold expertise within STEAM like teach the steam stuff uh so now we'll be doing that in our um partner schools at least in cd8 uh next year because we see the i mean the stuff we do now in the schools is like still effective but it's it's not the same when like it's student-led and so now we're able to um start to take that approach and do it uh in the schools and the kids will be developing solutions to like the things the school needs so like helping them play play an active role in like you know making their school the school they want it to be i love that and also, I mean, the reason why I also want to emphasize this too, people don't, may not know this, but, you know, during this pandemic, youth suicide rates have been on the rise. Mm-hmm. Black youth suicide rates have increased so dramatically that the Congress had to call a state of emergency. And this, what you're doing, I'm sure has impacted young people in a way that people don't even realize. Mm. So I want you to also know the power of what you've done and what you've been doing and the impact that you're having on the community is, is vast. Hey, thank you. Thank you. And who knows the young people that those young people, when they grow up are going to also impact. Right, right, right. So this is great. 
Before we go, there's some other things I wanted to touch on. And this is something that I saw when I was looking. I, I, whenever I get organizations on, so I always look at their annual reports. Oh, wait, for sure. Because I do my research. No, I saw that. I was like, oh, I read it. <laughs> and in your last annual report, you reference a uh, you reference a John D. Rockefeller quote. You offer your critique of this quote, which critiquing a, a, a John D. Rockefeller is never a bad thing in my book. Right. Um, but he said, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers, which goes really ties into what we talked about earlier about how our education system is, um, especially for our people. Mm. And you state in this uh, annual report when you're critiquing the quote, you said, if this vision remains the same, our youth will be ill-equipped to address these systemic injustices disproportionately plaguing our communities. I would love for you to elaborate on that particular point. And I want you to explain why it's vital for our communities to counter this ideology and thinking as we move forward into the future. Oh, for sure. Uh, so I think the first step to like knowing what's going on and even even within yourself but like within society is like uh just awareness and if you're only taught like the way school is pretty much structured to just come like a uh, compliance base like to follow orders you're not really and you know i feel like it's set up that way and he would want it set up that way because then you don't have a population of people who have time to sit back and think like this doesn't make sense like why can't we go to the doctor uh you know why does it cost so much to go to the doctor here when over there is free uh, or like, why isn't there train? Like, why can't we get around? Like, when we need to get around with with other places in the world, like that's just how it is. Or like, we have all this money, but like the budget is so big. But you look at schools, you look at you know healthcare, like all these different things, and they're this is not funded uh, appropriately. So you know, it doesn't seem like a really complicated. Uh, some of that stuff doesn't really seem that like nuanced or that complicated. Um, but I think when you have an education system that uh, pretty much trains people to not think outside the box and like not really question things. The system will only continue to like perpetuate all the like racism, sexism, class, all the isms because it doesn't have a, because um, one people don't really have the skills to like combat it even uh, in their mind, let alone like with actual strategies to, um, you know, to, to make change. I think even in civics class, the one thing they tell us to do to make a difference is vote. And like, that's one thing you can do, but there's also so many other things. It's like, why don't they, you know, why don't they talk about these other things? Like, why don't they get as much? Um, I mean, I think we know why, but like, you know, there's reasons why they don't get as much time as uh, voting does. Cause you know, that's only one way to address this thing when there's also, you know, the it's like a multi-layer, should be a multi-layered approach. So yeah. And then kind of back to what we were saying about the, uh, the different like uh, issues that are disproportionately impacting the community. Um, you know, the system isn't set up to be solving those problems and the people in the seats to solve those problems aren't from the communities that are, um, feeling them the most. So like, eh, they're not, they're not, even if they were the most, you know, had the most, the best intentions, you can't solve a problem that when you're that far away from it, um, not effectively, at least it's like you're only going to make it worse. So yeah, it's like we have to have people in our community who are able to be aware of what's, you know, school should be a place that helps people. Um, like build that awareness like within themselves and like also more externally and then also be able to like put those ideas into practice. I feel like that's the thing. One of the student-led programs or overall name of them is called Theory and Practice. So it's just like, okay, cool. Y'all have ideas for how the world should work, which, you know, you have to come about through thinking and kind of thinking, doing, reflecting. Now, like go put those ideas into practice and see what happens and then come back and like keep that cycle going. 
Whereas what John D. Rockefeller is saying, it's like, there's really no thinking and there's really no practicing. It's just like doing whatever, just doing what you're told. Right. So I can profit off of it. Exactly. So that was a long answer. Hopefully it made sense. It made perfect sense. And I thank you so much for giving me that answer. What projects or events or anything you have coming down the pipeline that people can support? Uh, <laughs> on June 3rd, um, the kids in our student-led programs have their uh, showcase. So the last like third of the program, they pick one uh, issue that they want to address. And so at the showcase, they'll be having their different solutions, like kind of presenting what they did. Um, we don't know where yet because you know, all of the student-led aspect of the stuff like kind of just takes a little bit of time. Um, but if people... Uh, Go to our website, stemtothefuture.org. As soon as you go there, it pops up, and there's a newsletter. Um, if you get on that, it will definitely keep you in the know. Or if you go to our Instagram, also stemtothefuture, uh, and follow that. Like, we put all the um, all those events on there. That would be or – if you're, or also, too, if you're, like, a um, someone who has expertise within the, within STEAM and would, like, like to uh, teach the kids, like, part of this, like, residency program where you, they all, you all definitely get paid – um, same thing, like go to the website, fill out the form, or if you're a principal or anyone who works with youth, also on the website, there's a programs page. If you go there and you just click, uh, learn more, there's a whole, it's a, not a whole, it's a super short form you fill out and we like, we'll get right back to you. All right. All these links will be available in our, in our show notes for you. So don't worry if you didn't have a pin, it'll be in the show notes. You can just click that link or copy and paste whatever works for you. Um, if people want to enroll their children or find a way to get their children involved, do they have to go to one of the schools or is there a way they can connect with you directly? Um, so usually the student lab, which I had a straight, uh, straightforward answer, the student lab programs, people could just sign up for, but we're talking with a org now where we might end up partnering directly with them, uh, next year, but we'll see. Okay. Um, so get the newsletter and get, they can find out. Yeah. Get the newsletter okay. and we will definitely let you know. Cause we also have a summer camp, but that might be at the same place. Um, but either way, like get on, folks get on the newsletter, we'll make sure to um, stay connected. And our kids have like community events and stuff that they host. So also be ways for people to engage. Okay, get involved. Go to the event, bring your kids. So that way they can see if they're interested and want to be involved as well. Um, to, to June 3rd, you said? Yes, June 3rd. June 3rd. So hold that day. We know the date for sure. Put it on the calendar. Save it. And probably 12 to 2. 12 to 2. So and save we'll, 12 to 2 on the calendar. Right. Sign up for the newsletter. Follow them on social media. We'll have all this in your show notes for you. Thank you again, Jacob Adams. Anything you want to add before we roll out? Uh, no, I appreciate the the time and the you know opportunity to be able to talk about the work we're doing. And it's definitely not me. I have a uh, a whole team who like make all this stuff possible. So I know I'm here talking, but like shout out to them for being out here doing the work. Absolutely, it is. It's a great team. I, if you go to the website, you can see the team and see who's working with them. Um, it looks like they're doing great work. They have a whole gallery. The, the, the website is very thorough, I have Thanks. to say. Very thorough website. So definitely check them out. Thank you again. I appreciate you for joining us here on MHD Off the Record as our South LA highlight. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MHD Off the Record. And special thank you to Felicia the Poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Lamert Park. For more information, please visit MHDCD8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend.